We're starting a new series that I've been uh, sort of ruminating on and thinking about for probably uh, half of last year anyway. And the series called Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. <clears throat> now, this isn't just about lying. You know, that phrase is used on people, right? Uh, because as human beings, we have a problem with lying. We do. In our culture, in our country, we kind of have accepted some lies and we kind of, uh, uh, we kind of propagate them or keep them going. We're, we're comfortable with them. Maybe you've heard some of these. Um, one of those lies that uh, these are famous American fibs. You know, one of them is the check is in the mail. How about this one? I'll start my diet tomorrow. We service what we sell. <laughs> uh, give me your number and the doctor or whoever will call you right back. Uh, how about this one? Um, your money is 100% cheerfully refunded upon your return. You probably experienced that. Um, this one you might have heard. It's, uh, it's that lie that comes on a lot of clothes. One size fits all. Sure. I can't find anything that fits in those things. This offer is limited to the first 100 people who call in. Uh, your luggage isn't lost, just been misplaced. Leave your resume. We'll keep it on file. This hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, your table will be ready in just a few minutes. Open wide. This will only hurt a little bit. Let's have lunch sometime. It's not the money, it's the principle. Hey, listen, we, we, have, uh, um, we have some lies that we kind of get comfortable with. And uh, as a culture, right, a lot of us think there some white lies are required. It kind of helps things move along smoothly. But liar, liar, pants on fire, again, is not about our problem with lying as human beings. It's the problem that we face with the enemy that we have, who is real. Um, we have an enemy and he is against us and the Bible teaches us that he is a liar. We've kind of accepted a little bit in our culture in modern times, many people have grown to not believe in the supernatural. Not to believe that there is a spiritual realm where there is unseen forces at work. We kind of have grown more because of our emphasis on science, right? Which is all good and fine and it's, it's provided some great advancements in our world. But because of that emphasis, we've kind of moved away from the idea that we really believe there's a supernatural realm. You know, that's, that's mysticism, it's hocus pocus. I mean, maybe there's something in there, but how do you really know? And we've moved towards just a belief that the five senses that we have are what is real. It's what we know, it's what we can count on. And so we operate in that realm, just in the physical realm. But the truth is, the truth is that the devil is real. And I want to attack in this series the idea that, that he isn't real. And even some of us that would say we believe he's real, I think a lot of us live like he is not. We do not really arm ourselves with the weapons necessary to fight the battle that we are in. We have a tendency to think it's a physical battle. And our enemies have flesh and blood. The issues we face are physical issues in the physical world. But I'm here to tell you the Bible presents a very different message. And it presents the truth that our problems... The forces that work against us are not primarily in the physical realm, but our greatest enemy 
is an adversary that exists in the supernatural. And he is at work against us. The Bible says that, um, that the devil is real. And yet our culture, and I think the devil himself, would love us to not believe that he exists. Cotton Mather says that there is a devil is a thing doubted by none, but such as are under the influence of the devil. Our culture, I think, by and large believes there's something out there. But we've kind of traded off the ancient truths that have been passed down to us over time that exist in the Bible, the ancient truths of what is reality in the spiritual realm. We have given up that knowledge in a lot of ways. And you know, it's interesting, after God created the human race, the Genesis account is, took about 1,500 years before the, the human race had grown so wicked, so in opposition to God, that he sent a flood to reset the human race. And so we give up that knowledge easily. We have a tendency to move towards what we want to believe. We don't really want to be accountable to a God and we don't really want to follow him. We want to follow ourselves. We want to be in charge. And the truth is the one behind all of that, that initiated that move away from the knowledge of God is the devil. He is real. He exists. He does not have a pitchfork, right? And horns. The devil, the Bible tells us, was an angel of light. Um, he was one of the, the highest ranking angels that God created. And so he does not appear as a nasty, uh, wicked creature. He appears as an angel of light. And so we need to know the truth of what's going on in the supernatural realm. We need to get that knowledge back. Because friends, we are under oppression spiritually. And most of the issues that we face coming out of two very difficult years and moving into a new year that, uh, sorry to say, probably is going to have a lot of the same pressures. We need desperately the knowledge that the Bible contains about what we are up against. If you think your biggest problems are flesh and blood, I'm here to tell you that you've been deceived. You believe something that is not true. You need to regain the knowledge that God wants to give us. God wants to remind us and teach us, if you will, of the, the tools that we need, the focus we need, the awareness, the knowledge of the battle that we're in so that we can win it. We don't have a chance if we give up the knowledge of the supernatural realm, the knowledge that the Bible gives us, the truth that's there. If we give that up or don't know it, then we're up against something we have no idea how to battle, how to face. It's, it's said, the story is told, right, of the devil and his demons trying to figure out how to deceive the human race. And they thought, okay, let's, get, let's put this idea that God doesn't exist. That'll work. But they kind of all looked at each other and said, no, people probably are going to believe in God for the majority. And the majority of the world still believes in God, right? That probably won't work. And they thought, well, um, you know, let's teach them uh, that um, there's no hell. There's no future punishment, right? That, that they can just live however they want. And then they thought, nah, you know, really, 
most people know that they're going to be held accountable uh, at the end of their life. They may not understand how to be ready for that test and what's required, but they know they're going to be held accountable, so that probably won't work. And so they kind of thought their meeting here was going to end in failure. They weren't going to have some great plan and design to trick the human race. But then one of them came up with a brilliant idea. He said, no, 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 listen, let's tell them God is real. Let's tell them that hell is real. The Bible is true, but we'll tell them they just don't need to make a decision today. Put off the decision until tomorrow. And when they came up with that idea, they knew they had captured the thing that would get the human race to stay off focus as they live their lives, putting off a spiritual decision. I'll deal with God. I'll get right with God. I'll, I'll confess my sins, whatever, but I'll do it tomorrow. And the truth is that if we don't do it when we know we should, most human beings go through their lives distracted by the physical world we live in and not dealing with the true issues that we need to face in the spiritual realm. The devil, the Bible tells us, is the source of lying, deception, twisting the truth. They all come from him. The truth is, the devil is a liar. In John chapter 8, Jesus speaking, verse 44, speaking to the nation of Israel, to some of the leaders the religious leaders of his own people. He said these harsh words. He said, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. In this series, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire, I want to attack the idea that the devil doesn't exist with force. And I want to expose what the devil does when he tries to whisper into our ears the lies that he's going to say to us. He wants to get us off course. He doesn't use huge lies. He doesn't use massive lies that we would obviously identify. He does small, little twists of the truth. And I guarantee you, you and I have believed some of them. And we're living like we believe them, even though we would say we don't. And so in this series, I want to address that. The reality that in Genesis 3, we see um, the devil take a form of a serpent and come to Adam and Eve, our human parents, the first two humans that lived, and he lied to them. He deceived them. He said, listen, I know there's a tree right in the middle of the garden that you're not supposed to eat, eat from. But really, you should try it. It contains power that you can get from God. Take a bite from it. It has the, the knowledge of good and evil, and that's going to give you power. And so there, uh, Eve and Adam were, were tempted, right, by this ability to obtain power that God had, that they could acquire. And Eve even said, well, no, we can't eat from that tree. God said that we'll die. And what did the devil say? You won't die. God knows that you'll become like him. See, he's intimidated. He doesn't want you to become like him. The devil is masterful at lying. He appeals to the things that we want to hear and that we want to do. And we've got to know about his tactics. We've got to know the lies that he tells. We've got to be ready to stand against them. We need the perception and the discernment to know when it is a lie from the enemy. 
so that we can stand against it and, and even fight back and win as we walk through this life. Jesus, as I said, affirmed the existence of the devil and his activity even among the Jewish people. The truth is that Jesus called out Satan for what he is. He's a liar and he's a destroyer. Early in the Bible, when we first find out or hear about the devil, he's referred to as the accuser. You'll, you'll notice in Job, in the, in the book of Job, in the story of Job, and his great suffering, the accuser, devil's referred to as the accuser that came before God and accused men. He is an enemy. He's an adversary of ours. God has a plan and a purpose for the human race, and the devil has placed himself in a position to challenge God's authority and to pull us as an entire group of people, human race, away from God's intended plan and towards a plan that he believes will lift him up and elevate him and will destroy what God has planned for us. Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life and pays with death. The Bible reveals to us the fact that there is an unseen reality, that there is a supernatural realm that exists around us. We cannot see it, but we can be aware of it. We can gain that sixth sense, right? that goes beyond our five senses that deal with this tactile physical world. And we can grow in our perception and our knowledge of what, what is going on in the supernatural realm. And that is going to give us the ability to discern when it looks like we're dealing with an issue in the physical realm, but really what's behind the issue is spiritual, is supernatural. There are forces that are work all around us. It's only fairly recently in human history that the idea that there isn't a supernatural has really come to play because for most of the history of the human race, there was a knowledge and an awareness at some level. But there's so much deception. There's so much uh, uh, knowledge has been lost of the truth for most of the human race that a lot of what happens in, in dealing with the supernatural is wrong and it's harmful and it pulls us in, a, in the wrong direction, because again, the devil, if he can't get us to believe he doesn't exist, he wants to whisper falsehoods about the supernatural. So we begin to believe things that aren't true. I guarantee you, can almost guarantee, that, that most of us have some ideas about the supernatural realm, about the devil, about the afterlife, whatever you want to call it, that are not found in Scripture. But we've been taught those things, we've heard those things through our culture, through our family, and we've had a tendency to believe them. The truth is we need to return to the knowledge that is absolute truth that's found in the Bible. Jesus said he came from the Father. And so his knowledge of the supernatural is perfect and pure. He affirmed what's found in the Bible by quoting it, by referring to it, saying this is true. And then he actually taught us more, especially about the devil, than we had, than we had just from the Old Testament books. Um, the, Satan is talked about more in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. So our awareness, our knowledge of what's going on grows. We need to reconnect to the ancient truths of the supernatural realm as given to us in the scriptures. 
Again, many believe that that whole supernatural realm is connected to mysticism and, hey, we left that, um, you know, uh, long ago as a human race and we need to move away from it. It only causes problems. It creates wars. You know, it creates confusion. And so there is a movement and has been in our world, especially our Western world, to give up that knowledge and to pretend that our scientific knowledge is complete and holistic and more real. The truth is that we need to engage in the supernatural. We need to learn and acquire a knowledge of what's happening. To ignore and to give up this truth is to really be subject to it. To lose this knowledge is to be destined to suffer at its hands. And so we must regain a true knowledge of what's happening in the, in the spiritual realm. There are things going on around us all the time in the supernatural realm. There is a battle there. And there is an attempt to influence you and I in the wrong direction. The Bible, again, affirms that the devil is real and that he is an enemy and he will be coming and is coming for you. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says this. The apostle Peter, he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. He says, listen, be alert, man. Stay on point. You have an enemy. And if you don't even know he exists and he's out there, he's going to take you out easily. You got to know that he's there. He's real and he's coming for you. So be alert. Be on your guard. Be aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm. The truth is that the Bible teaches us this battle that happens in the supernatural realm is really only fought. We can only engage it if we have the spiritual weapons of war. In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle gives instructions uh, and, and lays out information about the spiritual battle and the weapons that we need to be able to engage it. Ephesians chapter 6, starting verse 10, says this. A final word, he says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting, listen, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The oppression that you feel, the temptations that you feel, the pull to go in the wrong direction, the, the, the times that you, as you walk through life, the pressure that comes because of life and the issues we deal with. Listen, friends, it is not primarily a physical battle that you are in. It is a spiritual battle. And again, if we're going to win this battle in a time of serious oppression in our world, we need to gain, regain the knowledge of how to fight this battle. We need to be armored up and we need to know when it's happening, when the things that we face are really supernatural and spiritual, not primarily physical. If you think your greatest enemies are physical ones, you've, been, you, you've bought into a lie. If you think the biggest pressures against you are tactile and physical, they're people, they're pressures in this life, you're mistaken. You're not clued into what really is going on. 
I want us as a church, as we move into this year, I know that we've been under a time that's oppressive. I know it. I can see it. I can feel it. I I carry some of that for this entire church. And I know what's happening. I see it. And I know that you're feeling it. But the answer, guys, is not to think and deal in the physical realm. And that's what we have a tendency to do. It's what we see. We think our enemies are are flesh and blood. And so we've got to re-engage the supernatural. And that's what I want us to do through this series. I want to um, help us refocus, to become aware, uh, again, of what we're really facing. The first lie that I want to deal with in this series Um, is to recognize that Satan is trying to get us to believe um, a lie that is used to tempt Jesus with in the three temptations of Christ. And so if you want to turn your Bible to Matthew 4, that's where we're kind of be and look at this encounter that Jesus has um, with Satan. And Jesus, as he uh, is preparing for his ministry years, where he would be public, speaking to people, healing Um, forgiving sins, interacting with people. As preparation for this, he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John uh, John the Baptist hesitantly baptizes him because John understands who Jesus is. He's like, you should be baptizing me. No, Jesus says to fulfill all righteousness, to be obedient to God. And so John baptizes Jesus. And uh, at that time, the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him like a dove. The Father speaks from heaven. And so we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. We get this uh, affirmation of the triune God, the Trinity, in this passage. And we see Jesus following this affirmation of who he is by God the Father. He moves out into the wilderness, it says, to be tempted. And the first lie that Satan is going to present to Jesus to try to trick him is based around this idea that your physical needs are more important than your spiritual needs. That's the first lie. That's the lie we're dealing with today. And this is a lie that Satan is telling you, and he's permeating in our world, and he's trying to get us as human beings to live according to, that your physical needs are more important than your spiritual needs. Let's read in Matthew chapter 4, the first four verses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. The devil comes to Jesus in a time of physical weakness. Jesus was, is God, right? He existed with the Father for all of eternity. He was the creator. As John's gospel tells us, he spoke the world into being. He spoke the universe into being. Jesus was the creator. He came and took on human flesh. Jesus had never experienced human weakness, right? And though he was 100% God, we also know he's 100% man. And so he experienced hunger, what it means to be physically hungry, And he experienced the weakness that comes with that. And the devil, of course, comes at a time when Jesus was in extreme physical weakness to tempt him. This is when he takes the opportunity. And we know that the Holy Spirit had led him out for this purpose. He was being tested as to uh, his character 
to evidence that he was the son of God and he would be able to do the ministry that God had for him to do. And so the devil comes in in an attempt to trick him to use his divine power, his divine power, which Jesus had as God. And the devil said, use it to meet a physical need. Use it to meet a physical need. Jesus, you have this power. You're weak, you're hungry. Use that power that you have to meet your physical need. Now, Jesus did have the power to turn stones to bread. He did. He could have done it. The problem is that God, God's plan for Jesus was not to use his divine power to meet his own needs and to do things for himself, but to use his divine power and supernatural power as God to do the work that God had called him to do. And so the Satan was really tempting Jesus to step out of God's will for his life to do something for himself with the divine power he had. And it was to meet his physical needs. In our world, we might say it this way. What the devil was really kind of saying, we might say this way. Money can buy you happiness. Now, none of us really, like, we don't know. We have the opposite saying in our culture. Money can't buy you happiness. That's what we really quote all the time. But my hypothesis here in this message is that we say we don't believe money can buy you happiness, but we really live like it can. We really believe it can. I had a young man who was in my youth group years ago, and, and uh, he had grown up in the church, and he was moving towards a ministry calling, and he got involved in, in ministry and stuff. And, and uh, down the road, he was in his 20s, and he was married, and he was having kids. He said, he goes, uh, Pastor John, let's be honest. Money buys happiness, right? I mean, it really does. And so uh, we had an honest, frank conversation about what money could do. Can money provide some things in this life that are pretty good? Come on. I know it's church, but yes, it can. It can. I mean, money is not, uh, it's not um, unimportant. It matters. If you grow up in a, a home where there's poverty, many of those individuals are driven, Right? Uh, because of the stress and, and the anxiety that not having money brings, and it certainly can, to think that I'm going to make sure I don't live that way, my kids don't live that way, I'm going to work myself to death <laughs> to make sure that I have the security that money brings. And so, honestly, a lot of us are pulled into living like money really does and is what will make us happy. Our physical needs, if we address those, if we meet those, life is going to be better. Maybe the stress will go away if I just get enough in the bank, in the 401k, right, whatever, so that I can relax and I, can, I, I don't have to worry. And, and, uh, and so we do, we believe that. And money can provide some of that. It can provide some security. It can provide some, uh, the ability to relax. It certainly can bring comfort. I mean, good grief, in our culture, we can buy just about anything uh, to make us more comfortable, man. So, I mean, it, it can, it works. The cars that we drive now are way better than the cars that I drove when I first started. They're much more comfortable. It's the truth, right? Um, and so, yeah, money provides, uh, it provides something. And, and the truth is it's a tool to be used. And when it's used the right way, it can do really good things. And maybe buying happiness is the wrong way to say it. That's not what the devil came to Jesus with. All the devil came to Jesus with is that your physical needs are really what matter most. Use your power to meet your physical needs. And so his twist on the truth is small. We all know to say, no, money can't buy you happiness. We know that that's probably wrong. And so I don't think that's what he comes with. 
But he does come with the subtlety that if we pay attention to our physical needs, and if we can just get past, just get over the hump to where uh, we, we've got security and we've got it, well, then our spirit, right, and our, our souls and everything are going to be at peace. And we can get to that place. And the truth is that that's a lie. It's a distraction. If the devil can get you and I to focus on the physical realm and on our physical needs and focus there, we will stay distracted from what Jesus says and God says really matters most. The truth of God regarding this lie is that your spiritual needs are greater than your physical needs. Your spiritual needs are greater. Look at how Jesus answers this temptation that the devil brings to him. Matthew 4, 4, he says this, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. People do not, listen, this is Jesus' answer, his rebuttal, make the stones into bread, take care of your physical needs, then you'll be okay, you'll live. Jesus said, no, no, no. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What's Jesus doing? How does he handle the temptation? The lie is really what it is. Well, he refutes it with the truth of God's word. He says, no, here's what God says. If you don't know what God says, how are you gonna refute a lie? How will you even recognize it? I mean, we talk about studying and understanding when the devil's attacking us, and I think it's important. But really, the core here is to know the truth. The answer to combating the lies of the devil is to know what the truth of God's word is because God has revealed himself to us in his word. You know, one of the most amazing things about God and his word is they line up perfectly. There's no difference between God and who he is and what he says. You will not find that in any other being or person that you'll ever run into. My words do not line up perfectly, right, with what I do, with my character, but God's do. And so when God's word speaks, it's truth, and it lines up with who he is, and it's what we need to really live. And Jesus explains that. In order for us to win a spiritual battle, we need to be gaining spiritual knowledge and strength. And so one of the things I want to challenge you to do as a church, is in the next month as we go through this series, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire, is to read through the book of Ephesians. It has six chapters. It's not super long, but the church in Ephesus existed in the Roman Empire, which is very similar to the culture that we live in. And the book of Ephesians has so much in it that we need, so much that helps us see and learn who God is and what he's doing for us, and how we need to attack and approach the issues that we face in our lives. There's marriage uh, uh, counsel in there, right? There's parenting advice. Some of us could use some of that, right? Oh no, you have it all together. Your kids are perfect. Is that what you're telling me? Hey, listen, we could all use a little, a little parenting advice, a little marriage uh, counsel. We could all use that, those of us that are married and have kids. If you have grandkids, it's a good refresher, right? You're helping. And so we need that. It also deals with conflict, Oh, you don't have any conflict in your life. Listen, uh, 
We can't avoid conflict, it seems, these days. So we all need this stuff. It's good instruction. Read through the book. Take the whole month to do it. Don't just read quickly through it, though you might read through it several times. Take the time to observe what's going on, what's being said about God, about you, about the spiritual battle we're in. And work towards application. We're taught in the Bible not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. God doesn't teach us stuff just so our knowledge grows. He teaches us stuff so that we can apply it to our lives and our lives can be changed. Jesus, as he addresses the devil and he quotes this passage, he's quoting from the Old Testament, comes out of the book of Deuteronomy, and he's quoting Moses, who in the book of Deuteronomy was revealing or rolling out, if you will, presenting to the nation of Israel the law. And he lays it out for them, and it's extensive. The law is extensive. Moses has worked on this for some time. God has been revealing to him as he's written down what it means for the nation of Israel to live by God's law. And so the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, as he reveals this to the nation and reminds them and teaches them what God requires of them, he, he's uh, brought back to the beginning days when they left Egypt. And uh, you'll remember that Moses was, was raised up to get the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out from underneath slavery. And they got into the wilderness and they had a problem. They didn't have any food and they didn't have any water. And these are kind of important to survival. And so they got a little panicky, just like some of us can get a little panicky, right? When we don't have our needs met. They did. They go, how are we supposed to make it? They start complaining to Moses. Did God bring us out here just to kill us? You know, we'd been better off back in Egypt. Yeah, we were slaves, but we had food. And so at that time, God did a miracle. He provided something called manna. You guys remember hearing about that manna. The word manna, you know what it means? It's really more of a question. Manna means what is it? Uh, they didn't really know. It was food. Not something they'd ever had before. Not something they ever had again. It came from God. And Moses reminds him, he goes, listen, guys, you were learning. God was teaching you to count on him, to rely on him for provision. So he provided manna every morning. Now, you guys know, uh, if they tried to collect manna for the future, if they thought, oh, is it going to come again tomorrow? We don't know. We're nervous. Some people get nervous, right? So let's get a little extra today. Do you guys remember what happened to it? It would, it would spoil I mean, worms would get in it immediately. It would be rotten. They could only get enough for the next day. And this is the quote. This is the passage, the context that Jesus is quoting from. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The truth is, friends, your spiritual needs are greater than your physical needs. You and I need to be going to the source of life, of truth, it's what we need. If you and I are not, and if we think our physical needs are all we need to meet, and we're focused on them, and we're pounding away, using all our time, all our, everything to meet our physical needs and to build that up, then we are, our, our spiritual life is suffering. And the core of a man and the core of a woman is our relationship with God. If you want strength in this life, a bank account's not going to give you strength in this life because it can be gone in a minute. We've all seen it happen. If you want strength in this life to walk through this life, you need a foundation that is solid in God. You know God. You know who he is. And you know who you are in him. You've been armored up 
with spiritual weapons so that you can fight a spiritual battle. That is the main battle that you and I are in. I want to give a little test to you to see where your focus is. Um, I'm not trying to guilt trip you. Some of you might think that's what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm trying to give you an evaluation. It's very, an ancient truth is that we can evaluate where our priorities are by two things. Our calendar and our checkbook, which nobody uses a checkbook anymore, but you know. Right? Those are the two things that show where, where are we investing? What do we think is important? So a couple questions, just an evaluation tool. If you want me to send these to you, I can. Email me or whatever, I'll send them to you. But I'm, I'm serious. I need to evaluate my life. It's a new year, and I just want you to do the same thing. Ask some questions. These might be kind of tough, but they're good. Are you having a quiet time every day or most days? Are you spending time in God's word, getting your heart and mind focused on him? Are you signing up for a class at your church we got a lot of classes that are starting next week. Plenty of room in them. It's a way for you to invest a little time in your spiritual growth. We have lots of classes. We add new ones all the time. And so uh, there's a lot of opportunities. Are you taking the time going, hey, listen, I'm going to invest some of my time, which is precious, but I'm going to invest it in my spiritual growth. Are you in a life group or a Bible study? Are you serving in a ministry? How many weeks a month are you in church? I can just tell you that going to church once every six weeks and that's all you do for your spiritual life, there's just no way that you're going to be strong enough to face a spiritual battle. There's no way. And, and I wouldn't be your pastor and I wouldn't care about you if I didn't tell you that. But that's our trend in our country is we're moving that direction. I just want to remind us we're in a spiritual battle. And in order to win it, we've got to be dedicated to being in the places where we're going to grow. We've got to feed and fuel our spiritual life. How many dollars do you spend on your spiritual growth? Um, what percentage of your income do you give to God's work? I know that 10% is what uh, we see in the scriptures. I know that's a lot. Some of us really struggle. I don't know how I would do that. Pastor, I go, okay, so just start somewhere. And then, and then make incremental growth steps. But it's an area that matters. It, it shows what you're investing in. Where do you see value, right? Do you give to help the poor and needy? Do you support missionaries? Do you buy books that will help you grow spiritually? Do you go to conferences? Are you paying attention to your spiritual growth and development? Guys, it, it matters most. Your physical life and the physical world you live in and the battles you face there will, will pale, they will diminish, they will quit being so big and so significant to you if your inner person, your spirit, is growing stronger through your relationship with God. A lot of people think that if I just won the lottery... Right? If I could just get that big amount of money, I'd be happy. But do you know that suicide rates are the highest? They go, they go astronomically high for those that win the lottery. Do you know that, that money is not a blessing in every way? Do you know parents, uh, uh, parenting when you're wealthy gets extremely difficult? Kids have a harder time making it when they grow up with wealth? It's not easy. It's not always a blessing. We need to recognize that the true blessing that God wants to give us we keep thinking we have our eyes on that shiny stuff. And I'm telling you, it's just, it's what the devil wants you to do. It's what he tried to get Jesus to do. Take care of your physical needs. Focus on them. Friends, we got to get our eyes on the truth. We got to wake up to the reality of what we're in, the battle that we're in. And we can win it. We can stand strong. 
We can grow stronger even under pressure. But we've got to address what the real needs are. We've got to move in the right direction. Listen, I think it starts, for me, it starts with repentance. Because far too often in my days, I'm looking at the physical things. I'm focused on the physical challenges. And I know as a pastor, if I'm doing that, some of you might be doing that too. And it starts with repentance. It just goes, God, I agree with you that what you say is right, right? And I'm gonna turn away from a priority on physical things and I'm gonna focus on the spiritual truth, the spiritual life that you wanna walk me into. And so it starts with repentance. I just wanna call us to that. Listen, we live in difficult times. And sadly, I'd love to give you a positive report about 2022. I have a feeling it's not gonna get any easier, right? And the pressure isn't gonna get lifted. Uh, we all keep thinking, oh man, this COVID thing would just go away. You know, we, we keep, it's that, you know, come on. It, it's probably not. But what I can promise you is that you can stand up under the pressure better. You can have more strength. You can stand strong and you can help the people around you if you and I will focus in on what really matters. We'll get our focus right. We're the people of God. We're the people of God. And so we can do this. And I'm just calling you, join me in repenting of what we've done. We've got our focus on the physical world. And let's, let's get our focus on God. Let's turn our eyes back to him. And let's seek him. Because man doesn't live by bread alone. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God, thank you for the truth that you bring to us. And thank you for the truth that's found in your word and the power that is, is there on the pages for us to open and read and engage. It's not just words, but it's the very breath. It's, it's your breath. It's, it's your truth. It's the logos. And God, we need it. We need it so badly. We've, we've drifted. We've got our focus off. And God, would you help us turn our hearts and our minds back to you, our focus back on you. God, help us to continue to dig into who you are and to feed our souls and our spirits on you. You are life and you want to give us life. And I pray that as we move into this new year, that we would answer that call. We would listen to that message, that, that still small voice you're calling us in. And God, help us to, in this year, get stronger, get healthier, get better as we fight the battle we're in with the weapons that you want to give us. God, bring us healing. Bring us restoration. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.